Well, good day, everybody. Pastor Tim Carscat here, Christian Center Shreveport, doing our daily podcast. So glad you're joining us. We're still in the feast of Hanukkah, and we got more to learn from. As every character in this story is important, and we're going to talk about the women, the women warriors. One special one, also one in scripture, who helped lead the victory. A lighthouse in the storm. Maccabees, and speaking of Israel and the Jewish people, despite all the attempts of the world to wipe them out, they're still here. Well, welcome. It's 11th day of December 2023, and uh, we are rushing toward an amazing new year in the Gregorian calendar, 2024, looking forward to that. And I want to finish out, there's eight days of Hanukkah, so we're in the middle of that. Um, I want to make sure that I I give some clarity to everything that we're talking about here. And I want to talk about the, the women of the story and, and, and especially one story that I shared a little bit last week about, you know, the laws that, that required the Greeks to, uh, you know, have relations with the Jewish women before they were married. I call it rape. Uh, they, they, they had a, a unique name for it, um, but it, it was evil to say the least. And I thought about that, of what happened on October 7 in Israel, where Hamas went and raped the women, uh, believing that they're, uh, they're defiled people and that they need the seed of, of Muslims, of Islam. And that was the same thing of the Greeks, the same thing. And there was a, it was a harsh decree that the Greek rulers of Israel instituted that all brides were required to sleep with a Greek military officer before they could marry their husbands. And these were young Jewish women who were as as live and intelligent intelligent as any woman today, any Jewish woman today. And they were in love with their soon-to-be husbands, and each of them had to submit themselves to the lust of a Greek soldier before she could marry. defy the law, and you'd be killed. That was a punishment if they were not to do it. And I guess the question would be asked, what would we do, or what would, if you're a woman, you know, what would you do if that was you? Or would you tell your daughter to do it? Or, or, or what would what happen in that situation? I think we always need to ask ourselves, um, instead of looking back and say, well, I'd never, ask yourself, seriously, what would you do? And I think this is a picture of, of us rising up. Now, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. So let's, let's move this from the natural to the spiritual and make sure we put it in that context. But li- let's listen to the natural story. This is pre-Christ. This is Old Testament times. This is not after the resurrection. But this is a, a insidious for the Greeks understood that the foundation of Jewish life 
is a sound, stable family. They knew that. And as a root of the stability and the sanctity of relationship and marriage between husband and wife, tradition of the Jews would be that even you wouldn't even kiss or hug at that time. It'd be considered inappropriate with friends of, of the opposite sex. And they actually would create barriers to make sure that that uh, opposite sex would not even be together for that purpose. So you understand the culture. And, and for the Greeks who were totally animalistic, I hate to use that term, but they were, they just acted like animals. Uh, open relationships uh, of all types. They were the first alphabet community, if you want to call it that. At that time, you know, you did it with whoever, wherever, however. And so to come to this culture in Israel, it was disgusting to them because they wanted everybody to be like them. And that's what we see in America. We see that in the world today. So um, you could see their, their point of view, not in a good way, but that's just the way they see it. And um, that they didn't want that culture. They wanted to feel free to do what they want to do. And here's what happens when people are sinners. When you don't do what they do, then the conscience can deal with them about their sin. And when you submit to it, then they feel like, well, everybody's doing it. How many times have you said that? Or did you ever say that when you were a young person? Well, everybody else is doing it. Well, that's what sin does. It multiplies that way. But when one stands up in righteousness and says it's wrong, then everybody's conscience has to make a decision. And that's what the 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 Greeks were didn't want to have to deal with. They wanted everybody, the Jew that they they having to live in Israel because they were assigned there by by the government, and they wanted everybody to live like them. Okay? So there was a Jewish woman, and this is the story um that came out through their tradition, a Jewish woman named Yehudit, and she became an integral part of the the, the Hanukkah story. Uh, a Greek commander led his army and put down the revolt that was beginning in, in Jerusalem. And the Greek forces encamped around the walls of the city and began to, uh, a, a protected siege against it. And though Jerusalem was a well-fortified city, the relentless siege by this superior army, army began to exact a great toll in the system of the city. And there was a woman named Yehudit. And uh, she left the city and requested an audience with the commander. And her plan was to seduce him and then kill him. And her plan succeeded. And I shared a little bit about that last week. There's several versions of it. Um, the commander gave a feast in honor of Yehudit. And he became quite drunk. And one story says she gave him warm milk. Another, he was just drunk. But that night, the commanders and Yehudit retired to his private tent where he soon fell deep asleep. And while he was asleep, Yehuda took a sword and decapitated him. Took his head off. <laughs> That's pretty serious, right? I don't think we have a lot of women that would do that today, but this is the passion that she had for her nation and for her people. And Yehuda then brought the commander's head back to Jerusalem, where it was hung on the city walls for everyone to see. And the Jews were inspired by the daring heroism of Yehudit and the Greek forces retreated. It was a key turning point in the Jewish revolt against the Greeks in this story of Hanukkah. Okay. And the point here is not to gross you out or say, okay, guys, let's, let's go deal and take heads off. But in the spirit realm, I want you to get this indignation in your heart 
that this woman had for the evil that is perpetrated against the next generation. Look, she'd already been married. She was a widow. I don't know. She must have been quite uh, attractive at some level that she could seduce the, um, the commander. But nonetheless, it was a picture of her life was irrelevant to her because she was saving a generation. And if I want to say anything about today, the women arising, I think for all of us, we want to add the bride arising, the warrior bride. And that's who we are. Now, we have a similar story in the book of Judges. Uh, much like this, the, uh, they were coming against Israel. The armies were coming against Israel. And there was a woman named Jael. J-A-E-L is the English uh, way you say it. And she was the wife of a Canaanite. And there was peace between Jabin and the king of Hazor in the house of Eber the Kenite. Anyway, Jael went out to meet Caesarea and said to, him, said to him, turn aside, my master, and turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. And he turned aside to her and into the tent. And she covered him with a rug and said to her, please give me a little, he, please give me a little uh, to drink for I'm thirsty. And so she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and she covered him. And he said to her, Stand in the doorway of the tent, and it shall be that if anyone comes and inquires of you, say, it is there anyone here, then you are to say no. But Jael, Abra's wife, took a tent peg <laughs> and seized a hammer. I'm not laughing at what happens here, but I thought, wow, this woman was brave. And took a hammer in her hand and went secretly to him and drove a peg into his temple and went through the ground, for he was sound asleep and exhausted, so he died. And behold, as Barak uh, pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. And he entered in with her, and behold, Sisera was lying dead, and the tent peg was in his temple. So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the sons of Israel, and the hand of the sons of Israel was pressed heavier and heavier, upon Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, the king of Canaan. And then we go into the song, Deborah. Wow, what a story, right? And this is a picture of what we need right now, a warrior church, a bridal church that uh, is willing to go in and take, in a sense, the head off of the, the enemy I think the strength here of this woman, I mean, hitting a Ted tent peg uh, with a hammer, this woman obviously is pretty strong. This is something she must have been doing. It was a common thing for her, obviously, in that culture, uh, living in tents and so forth. I imagine everybody knew how to do that. But the precise point in this temple, she goes after the very most, most vulnerable part of the brain, of the mind, and goes after. There's so much prophetic symbolism in what Jael did. But the point was, she took what she could do to win the victory for Israel. Everybody has a role to play. You know, she's not going to be out there in the battle shooting arrows and, and with swords. And that, that wasn't her portion in the kingdom. Her portion was where she was, living where she was. And her thought was, what can I do here to give victory to my nation? And this is the story of Hanukkah. The story of Yehudit, the woman I just shared in the real story of Hanukkah. 
This is, to me, a type of a Hanukkah story. Because when the enemy gets taken out, the people's bravery and their, their spirit gets, uh, arises, and they begin to pursue the enemy more. That's what victories do. It's very important that we testify of victory over the devil, that we testify of somebody's life being delivered, set free, somebody being healed uh, from the spirit of infirmity. Because these are the plans of the devil, what? To kill, steal, and destroy. And when we get these victories, what happens? It encourages, but it also discourages us. Reading Samuel, in our Bible reading, 1 Samuel, I think it was Saturday I was reading, uh, chapter 10, 11, right around there. And it says, when they began to rout the enemy, uh, the other enemies saw the rout, and they ran too. And I wrote in my notes, I said, when, the en- when you defeat an enemy, the other enemies will start running. And so your battle doesn't increase exponentially, it decreases exponentially. And we saw this in, in, the, in, in, the, in the story of Gideon and other stories in the Bible, where once you get the enemy on the run, David and Goliath, uh, the victory becomes much easier as the enemy retreats. And this is not unusual in battle and natural battles and wars. You know, when you are trying to fight a fight and all of a sudden all your buddies are also checking out, you're like, "Mm, the odds are not for me. I'm turning the other direction. Anyway, so I want you to, I want us to be this warrior bride. Let's take this story of Hanukkah and Jehudith, Yehudith, I should say, this woman, as well as J.L. in uh, Judges chapter four. And let's say, well, what can we do? And I think the beauty of the jail story, you know, the tent peg, uh, this was a guilty man and it removed the sin in a sense from, uh, coming against Israel, but he was guilty. Jesus also had pegs in him. They nailed his hands and his feet. And the thing was he was innocent and it defeated the works of Satan. He then went to hell. He went to Sheol and set the captives free who were waiting on the resurrection. These were the Abrahams, the Isaacs, the Jacobs, who were in a place of waiting for the captives to be set free. They were blessed because of his sacrifice and our sacrifice of coming against the enemy. And this Hanukkah story is let's arise, warrior bride. Let's say, what can we do in our portion? Maybe we don't have a sword. Maybe we don't have bow and arrow. Maybe we're not on the front lines. But what can we do wherever we are? Use the wisdom that God gives you to defeat the works of Satan so that it's a victory for the entire camp of God, for the entire group of people that we are believing for to see victory. That's for the next generation like Yehuda did, for the next women that we're going to marry and procreate uh, the, those in the Jewish faith and in the Jewish community. Lord, raise up a warrior bride right now. Let us all be part of that bride. Let us be the Jael's. Let us be the Yehudas who take out the head of the enemy and bring victory for everybody that the enemy will run and be scattered. But your name will arise and be lifted up. In the name of Yeshua, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Have a good day. Come back tomorrow. We celebrate, continue, the celebration continues of, of Hanukkah. Well, blessings to you today. Thanks for listening each and every day here on our daily podcast. Don't forget our website, Christian Center Shreveport.
com as well as our app. This is a great year, and it's going to be a great year to come. If you'd like to give at the end of the year, many people make their giving once a year, and we appreciate that. If you're not a part of Christian Center Shreveport, you don't tithe, and you don't, you don't live here in the Shreveport area, I encourage you to do that. Go to our app, and you can give there. We thank you for that. That helps this ministry and all the others we do to continue to fight like the stories we're telling today. All right, see you tomorrow.